podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson also known as the late-round quarterback, and I'm joined, of course, by my lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, man? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, we have games. We finally have a game to watch. We have we have honest, actual content. You know, like, the last four months, we've actually just been spitting out nothing. Right, right. It, it, you know, it, it actually, I was telling someone the other day, uh, you kind of forget this part of the whole process, which is they will actually start playing games and statistics will start to be compiled at some point. It, you know, you talk about it for so long, like, you know, the, the prospects of this guy and that team and this system and that scheme that, you know, you this comes around and you're like, oh, oh, wait, oh, so, oh, I actually have to, like, make lineups now. I just can't talk about these guys yeah. anymore. Yeah, and it's amazing. I actually, I wrote a uh, an article, a, a quick one on, on uh, Number Fire at the end of the day today about six guys that you guys that that everyone should should have rostered and so check it out it's a little teaser but uh the the intro talks about you know whenever you go to a doctor's office and you're in the waiting room and it just sucks like it's just horrible sitting in the waiting room not just because of the environment that you're in but that that feeling of waiting is so it's so awful and the last like i'd say the last like 5 days we've been in a doctor's waiting room it just <laughs> just just forever just the, yeah. for for twenty four hours a day for the last five days, we've just been sitting here wanting to to just like just pull our, all of our hair out in in preparation for. We're all going to be bald in preparation for for. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you call me bald? <laughs> yeah, what? everyone except for you. You're not pulling out your hair. No, no, not for not for literally a million dollars. I'll be honest about that. And I know that your son is not either. No, no, God, no that. Those those unbelievably tall locks of hair, yeah. <laughs> that's, the most, if, that's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's still growing Denny's, upward. Denny's child has hair that just that that is uh, how many inches? Like four inches long. Yeah, it's like maybe maybe even like five inches straight up in the air. It just it doesn't even move. It's just straight up. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. I'm I'm honestly pretty jealous. He looks like a chia pet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've actually been watering it yeah right i put little seeds you know <laughs> that's the reason it's growing but yeah it's exciting stuff we finally you know we have a game on thursday less than from right now it's about 48 hours away uh <clears throat> you know we have a game on thursday we finally you know that we have we're gonna see that have that feeling when we're sitting on our couch on sunday afternoon just with our laptops in front of us watching tv and watching yeah. watching the NFL for eight hours. You know, I I think I'm going to experiment, uh, and I actually meant to mention this with not looking at my laptop during the games. Oh man, I can't do that. I no, I mean, it, I'm, it's going to be torturous. I think at first, but uh, a, a few I've read I've read some some guys. I mean, some legit fantasy guys will just sit there all day and then check all check their 30 lineups at the end of the night and be hmm. like oh all right well i won this i lost that this and that I, I don't know how they do it but it might be better for my mental health i mean i, I you know 
I, I can hardly, uh, you know, see straight during, oh, during yeah. those games, you know? Well, I mean, I, I will say that when the Steelers are on, I, I don't really pay much attention to anything else, but including my family. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know if I could pry myself away from looking at, at scores and just, I, God, I'm just so excited. It's so yeah. exciting. It is so exciting. So with that, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're actually going to talk about what this podcast is, is meant to talk about. And you know what I did realize, though, is that back in December, it was like the last uh, relevant fantasy week of the year. Uh, we, we did do a podcast. We did a streaming podcast. It was our very first one. So we, we, we have done this before. It's just been a really long time. Yeah! Wow, I forgot about. Yeah, that. and I, 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 uh, I, I remember picking Joe Flacco as a as a quarterback streamer against the the Giants, I believe, and it, I mean, oh. it ended up being a good pick, but uh, yeah. it was very hard for me to to, to pick <laughs> Joe Flacco. I'm sure it was. Yeah, that, he went bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a, a big game for him and the Ravens. Um, so, Denny, before we we get into our defensive quarterback and tight end recommendations based on opposition matchups. <laughs> let's uh why don't you talk to everyone and remind them what streaming is all about yeah no i I think it's real it's good to to go through this i I know a lot of you know most of you know what what it is and have heard us talk about it ad nauseum this off season but uh on twitter sometimes i get the sense that uh not everyone really understands fully what um you know streaming is and uh, you know, I don't. I don't think. First of all, just to start off, I don't think that you can do this in ten team leagues, or that there's a point in streaming positions. But if you're in a twelve or fourteen, or especially a sixteen team league, a really deep league, um, uh, streaming is basically playing matchups with whatever position you're using. Uh, um, obviously, we just do the, the three, and that's all that's recommended. But um, uh, and for some people, none. So. Uh, uh, but, but but streaming is playing the matchups, is finding waiver wire plays and deep, deeper kind of more obscure plays rather than um, just sticking to the same option week in and week out, uh, no matter no matter the matchup. You know, so it's it's basically, um, uh, you know, taking a little more control of your team with positions that you might be uh, weaker with um, because of the way you drafted or the way you prioritized your players, you know, coming into the season. Yeah, and, and and you know it, it's all about scarcity, and it's all about supply and demand, and the fact that quarterbacks, defenses, and tight ends you're only slotting one in your lineup, so it's a lot easier to manage on a week to week basis. Right, and and the the thing about the, you know the t- the ten team streamers out there, I, the, the the Twitter questions um, have become very difficult to answer, and uh, for this reason, um, if you're in a ten team league, you you might own two guys, you know, like. Jermichael Finley and Jared Cook, right? Well, both of those guys, to me, I mean, this week I have them ranked as top 10 options, very kind of easy top 10 options. So, uh, and and I have them two spots apart, you know, so yes, I have Finley higher, but, you know, you're not, I just don't think you're going to be streaming or there's no, there, there's no need to stream guys like that. So, but in a 12 team league, if you have, you know, like Scott Chandler and Owen Daniels, you might might want to consider that obviously as a, as an option. Yeah, and the the one thing I do want to touch on before we get into the actual uh, guys that that we are streaming this week is um, we we've gotten this question often, and and it is uh, which of the three positions is easiest to to stream and to project, and which is the the hardest. Um, I, I think there's a couple things to to remember with this. 
The first thing being, I think, I, I think you and I both agree that defenses are probably easiest and tight ends are probably hardest. And, uh-huh. and a lot of that has to do with, uh, it's all about predictability. It's very, it's much easier to, to pinpoint a defense that's playing against a poor offense than a tight end that's playing against a defense that can't uh, play against tight ends. I mean, it's just, it's difficult to do. And the tight ends are uh, reliant upon the quarterback and the, the, the way that the offense is being called. So because of that, tight ends are the, are the most difficult to predict. Now that doesn't mean that you can't stream tight ends effectively because a lot of the reason that you can is because they, they don't necessarily score a whole lot of points. So in order to get a tight end streamer uh, that, that is effective and worthwhile uh, in a given week in fantasy, he really only has to get you know either 60 yards or, or you know 20 and a touchdown or something of that sort with a few receptions, and he's going to be fantasy relevant. So that's one of the reasons that uh, tight end streaming is effective, and, and mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons that the, the whole Jimmy Graham argument, it, it helps the... The, the anti-Jimmy Graham folks like myself. Anti-Jimmy Graham in the first round folks like myself. Uh, okay. So I just wanted to throw it out there before we, we kind of get started so everyone's aware of kind of how, uh, how, how it's all formulated. Right. And, and you know, for me, I, I try to point out uh, defenses um, that are owned in, you know, maybe 60 or 65% or less of leagues. Right. Um, and then uh, tight ends, you know, I, I actually do sometimes recommend, you know, just looking for tight ends who are even owned in 80% of leagues and, um, uh, because, you know, that means that two out of 10 of, of you out there, you know, might, might, might find them and it's worth, uh, it's, it's worth looking. Uh, not everyone loves, loves that, uh, that threshold for, for ownership percentage, yeah. but uh, I, I, think it, I think it works for, for most people who are uh, out there looking to stream. Yeah, and don't. Don't come tweeting, yelling at us, saying, "Well, that's not—he's not available in my league," or "That's not—that's—that's that's not true." And okay, we get it. We're trying to reach a bigger audience than Ralph from Oregon. <laughs> I love Ralph. Yeah, great guy, but he can sometimes be annoying. Solid guy, drinks a little much, but he's—he's he's fun. A little much. All right, let's get into it. Denny, give me your defensive streamers for the week. Well, uh, on the fakefootball.com, uh, about actually two weeks ago, I, uh, I highlighted uh, three defenses that, you know, I, that I was targeting in drafts, you know, leading up to uh, opening day. And uh, th- those didn't change, and I didn't think they would, um, although they, the priority sort of changed. Uh, at, at the time, uh, we didn't really know how awful the, the Raiders' offense was, and, and, and particularly how just... Uh, heinous their offensive line was right so you know you put the raiders in indianapolis in that you know uh loud dome atmosphere on the road um and uh you know the, the, i mean the colts are not gonna scare anybody with their defense but if they have you know 11 guys standing upright they'll probably you know, score you know a, a good chunk of fantasy points for you, and and you know I think people are hedging a little because uh, Terrell Pryor was named the um, was named the starter for Oakland, or, or at least is going to, or there are newspaper reports on, on that matter. But um, I I wouldn't worry too much. I actually think that Pryor can get his a little bit, can can perform a little bit, uh, post decent numbers, and kind of deliver a really nice game for the Colts uh, defense. You know, it, it can work <clears throat> both ways. You know, it's it's not a zero-sum game in that respect. So, you know, the Colts are have been my number one option. The, the Patriots 
uh, are actually right. If if EJ Manuel doesn't start, um, then uh, they, they are my top option uh, above the Colts. And then the Chiefs at the Jaguars um, and the Rams at home against the Cardinals. And after the Cardinals um, lost, you know, what very well could be their, their best offensive lineman, uh, I, I really like uh, that matchup as well. So uh, Bucks, Chiefs, Colts, Patriots, and Rams – um, and then to a lesser extent, the, the Browns, I think, are a nice option against Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins um, at, at home. They're in, they're in Cleveland. Uh, and uh, I actually have them going in a couple leagues. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in that play, too. So th- those are my streamers. Um, for me, it's the Patriots, the Colts, and then everybody else. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I actually, uh, the, the Rams are really interesting because they can – they can sack the quarterback very well, very effectively. And when you combine that with a statue behind center and a depleted offensive line that didn't perform very well last year, that could be – I'm looking at I'm looking at the Rams as a potential – or for a potential six or seven sacks, honestly, yeah. against, against Arizona. And then I could see the Colts uh, – the Colts actually, their defenses look better in the preseason than it – I mean, it's, 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 it's improved compared to last year. And I think uh, combining that with with the fact that Pryor's inexperienced, doesn't have the best arm accuracy, uh, he can certainly run the ball, which is why he's going to be fantasy relevant, uh, Tebow esque in a way. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, he's good. The, the 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 crazy part with with fantasy, as we all know, is that turnovers don't matter nearly as much as uh, a rushing touchdown or just production in general. It doesn't matter if he's going to throw three interceptions. It matters a lot for for those starting the Colts defense, which is why you should start the Colts defense. But from a prior standpoint, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to be a good fantasy start this week. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we can get into that a little bit later, but uh, yeah. getting back to the Rams and, and their pass rush, uh, they, um, uh, the defense recorded a league high 52 sacks in 2012. Um, and, you know, they're coming into this season with basically the same, um, the same front seven, uh, maybe a little change there, but um, uh, you know the the Cardinals' offensive line is not vastly improved from last year when you know Kevin Cobb almost died a couple of times. Actually, that's not. <laughs> yeah. true. I shouldn't joke about it. I it's okay. About it's it's now, true though. Now that his career is basically over because of his various head traumas, but um, but yeah, uh, the the Rams are are a little bit sneaky play because you think of Bruce Arians and. And Palmer and uh, Fitzgerald, and you and you might be a little frightened, but they could post serious points on Sunday. Yeah, I uh, um, I have the the sacks uh, all time or not all time season uh, high sack totals for teams since the year two thousand, and I'm talking about teams that have given up sacks. Uh, the the worst since the year two thousand was was David Carr's Houston Texans when they gave up seventy six, but just down the list down at. Uh, 14 on the list it was Arizona last season who gave up 57. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and look, Bruce Arians is the, the one thing and the one watch out that I've been preaching throughout the last couple months of the off season is the fact that Bruce Arians, uh, he, he isn't that unbalanced from a pass to run standpoint, but what he does do is he stretches the field. He'll have, he'll, he'll have those deep passes. Mm. And in order to get those deep passes, you need time in the pocket. And when you don't have time in the pocket, that's 
and, and a deep pass is coming. That could be disastrous. That's why we've seen Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck last season get sacked so often in Bruce Arians' offenses. It's because Bruce Arians is stubborn. You know, I mean, he he does not fit his personnel, or rather than rather than molding his offense to the strengths of his personnel. He takes his offense and he says, "Hey, personnel, fit into my offense." Right. And 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 it's the the complete to me. It's the wrong way to to do things. I and mean, he's been successful. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know that that actually is a big reason uh, he left he left Pittsburgh. I actually, and th- I think this speaks really well uh, for streaming defenses. And, and and again, I know a lot of you see this as sort of uh, a very obvious strategy, but. Um, yeah, I get a lot of, um, a lot of kickback on the streaming defense things. You know, people say, I, look, I just want to plug and play the Seahawks every week and because they're going to dominate everyone all the time. And, uh, but th- this is something that I just noticed. I, I, I have four, uh, streamers, streaming options, uh, in the top 10, in my top 10 this week. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, it's not like we're taking a chance with someone that I would yeah. see as like a top twenty defense. These are top ten options here. Yeah, and you know, an- another thing is uh, regarding the the Seahawks people. Let's just call them the Seahawks people. Uh, Number Fire right now has uh, the Seahawks defense ranked twenty sixth this week. Yeah, so that's what happens when you pick up a defense. Uh, in the in the eighth round, is you're already not going to start them week one. Yeah, and, and also you're. I, I feel like you know you're so heavily invested that you're stuck really with 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 that option. You know, you you, you burn a, a nine, an eighth or ninth round pick on them, and and you you're not going to to want to stream them because you paid a hefty price. You know, to have the luxury of starting what you see as as kind of an invis, invincible elite defense. Uh, week in and week out. So even if you spot, you know, a better matchup on the waiver wire, you're going to be hesitant or just or just outright refuse to to use it. Well, yeah, and think of it this way, you know, there the idea of never bench your studs. So you're never going to bench, uh, you know, Drew Brees, Adrian Peterson, so on the the best guys at their position, it, it, because it doesn't matter who they play against, they're still producing. It matters completely who these defenses are playing against. It ma- completely. San Francisco plays Green Bay week one. Are you going to start them? Heck no! Why would you yeah. want to? Why would you start them against Aaron Rodgers? Why would you ever do that? So, you know, it's it's a situation that we're going to fight the good fight for a while, but it's never going to be completely fixed. No, no, and look, I mean, if if this helps you feel better, everybody, uh, only thirty five percent of year to year fantasy point production uh, is um, correlated from year to year, I should say. So, thirty five percent of what the Seahawks scored last year. Um, can be is is going to correlate to this year, um, but that's it. I mean, that's a very very low correlation. It's not something you want to bank on, and unfortunately, that doesn't sway everybody. Yeah. Oh man. So I think that's 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 it with the defenses, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll uh, I'll dig into some quarterback streamers. Um, I'll save I'll save my probably my favorite one for last. The first one I'm going to go with since we already started talking about it is Terrell Pryor against the Colts. Uh, this is one if you if you really need to dig deep. If you're in a deeper league, 16 guys, even 14 guys, I'd be all right with it. Um, Pryor can be your man, I think. Uh, you know, he, he's going to have a decently high floor with his rushing yards. Um, and the, the one thing 
that I do want to point out, which I think is is a misconception among fantasy owners, is the fact that rushing quarterbacks equal better fantasy quarterbacks. It's not just that. It's that the, the reason it's not just that is because rushing quarterbacks typically don't get the passing volume that you would need uh, in a fantasy quarterback to be good on, on both levels. The, the rushing statistics and the rushing numbers are only half the story. You need to have the passing totals to be a complete just complete freak. And that that's part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers is such a good fantasy ass is because he gets the rushing numbers in a way, not to the point of a of a Cam Newton or anything like that, but but he still gets the rushing numbers that kind of put him over the edge, and that's kind of what it does. Uh so don't don't um take the the rushing the rushing quarterbacks and think that because they're rushing quarterbacks, they're automatically going to be top twelve options because it's not necessarily the case. The reason why uh, Pryor's a decent streamer this week, though. Like I said, is that you know although the Colts' offense has looked better, they're still they're still not premier in the league. Um, and and Pryor can you know he might get a couple rushing touchdowns. Who knows? It's one of those things where I'm not completely completely confident with it. But if you want a high upside uh, guy and you're really really hurting at quarterback, Pryor is definitely not a bad option uh, in your quarterback slot. Can um, I play? Can yeah. I play devil's advocate real quick? Go. But Pryor's so bad at football. Yeah, exactly. I love that he's bad at football because now no one wants to play him. It's the Tim right. Tebow effect. It's the fact that he could throw 10 passes and, and two interceptions out of those 10 passes and still be fantasy relevant because he might get 80, 90 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Who knows? You know, what, that's, that's part of the allure with Pryor right now. I'm not a huge, huge Pryor fan. I've watched him all the way since high school because he went to high school outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, but... And I'm 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 not a, a gigantic prior fan, but I do think that uh, given this matchup, given Week One, it's on turf. It's in, it's going to be in a dome, which always benefits offenses. Uh, I, I do think that that he could be a, a decent fantasy option this week. It's not not my favorite streamer, but one to definitely keep an eye on. And I think it's he's slowly becoming the sexy pick uh, among fantasy owners. But don't don't start him over. Uh, there's three other guys that I would definitely, if if they're available, start over him. The, one of them uh, is Josh Freeman against the Jets. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not completely, completely sold on Freeman's talent per se, uh, but the, the Jets are revisless, um, and, and Freeman has weapons around him. He, he, the, the, one, the one piece with this that you should worry about is that I do expect the, the Buccaneers to win the game. And if, if Freeman doesn't contribute early in the game, he might end up being a dud in terms of fantasy because they could just grind it out with Doug Martin uh, into the second half. So just be aware of that. I think that he could throw a couple touchdown passes in the first half. I think he's going to be serviceable. He doesn't have the upside that Pryor would have, but I think he has a decent floor uh, to give you, uh, you know, decent fantasy success this week. Um, and then the, the, the other guy uh, that, I, that I do love this week is Alex Smith against the Jags. As a team defense last year, they ranked last in, in uh, terms of uh, defensive net expected points per play, meaning they were giving up more points compared to any other team on a per-play basis um, to the quarterback position. So they're, they're helping the, the quarterbacks immensely that, that they're facing. And not only that, it's going to be in warm weather. You've you got to love that. Uh, Alex Smith is going people aren't, to – people aren't necessarily going to be completely aware of what Andy Reid wants to do in that offense, what he's going to do. Uh, I think Alex Smith comes out strong, um, and, and I, I, I think that he's a, a perfect, perfect, this is the guy that is a perfect quarterback streamer for week one. 
Yes. Yeah. He really does get a juicy matchup to start with. And, you know, his, his yards per attempt are never going to be high. You know, they're, they're never going to be impressive, but in, in an Andy Reed offense where, you know, you're, you're probably throwing it 20 times per half, um, you know, unless, unless the game gets out of hand, uh, then, um, you know, your yards per attempt can, can be low, you know, they can, and, and, and you can still post 250 yards and two, two touchdowns and, you know, with streaming, you're not, you know, you're rarely going to hit on the guy who throws for 350 and four touchdowns. So uh, don't get greedy. But um, uh, Smith is Smith jumps out, just jumps off the page to me, too. Yeah. And, and the one thing to, to remember with uh, early season streaming and early season lineup decisions, even, is the fact that you, you don't want to get too crazy. You do want to play it kind of conservatively. And I think that, that Alex Smith is the combination of he should have a decently high floor given the matchup and given the offense that he's in. Uh, but, you know, I think that he still has that high ceiling as well uh, because of those factors. But again, because he, we, we kind of know who Alex Smith is in a way, and we know uh, that I don't, all he can do is go up, I guess, from, from where he was in San Francisco. So you kind of know what to expect in a more conservative offense. Now we're looking at an Andy Reid offense. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case throughout the entire season, but I'm saying that it's definitely the case when he plays against Jacksonville, who doesn't have the best defense in the world. All right. And the other guy that uh, I did want to touch on is my my boy, Matt Schaub, who uh, gets San Diego this week. I've been getting a ton, a ton of questions about Matt I love Matt Schaub this year. I've been saying this for a while now. Uh, but he gets San Diego. I, I, I think that it's a, it's a Josh Freeman situation, perhaps, uh, where – they really he, he needs to do something in the first half in order to to hold uh, game long value in a way because it, Houston could just run away with that game against San Diego very very quickly it could get out of hand so I, I put Schaub kind of in that Freeman boat prior being the riskier high upside play and Alex Smith just being the best play I think the best streaming play that you could find this week uh, off the wire at quarterback yeah I Schaub Schaub could be just a handoff machine if that game gets out of hand I mean. You know the the Texans defense could win that game by halftime. So yeah, right. It, it's a little it's a little risky, but uh, um, Schaub was throwing you know quite a bit uh, in the preseason. Um, I don't know if that's because Arian Foster wasn't there, and you know they didn't want to run Ben Tate to the ground or or, or what it was. But you know the, for a guy you know he throw he as you have pointed out a few times, uh, Schaub threw five hundred and forty four times last year. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, um, uh, that he'll have plenty of opportunity and, and the, the chargers were just scorched by wide receivers last year. Yeah. Uh, so if that keeps up, uh, you know, he basically Shaw would benefit from, uh, you know, big games out of uh, Andre Johnson and, and Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, if he plays. Right. And if, <clears throat> if Arian Foster is not necessarily a hundred percent, then they could, again, not only could it be a closer game than we would think, because maybe Houston doesn't run the ball as well as we think they will, but uh, you know that could that could lend into Matt Schaub, you know, reaching over maybe up to thirty-five attempts uh, against the Chargers this week. Um, so yeah, those are my guys. Again, just to to read them off, I have Freeman and Schaub, kind of the middle of the road. I have Pryor as a as a uh, potential, you know, a boomer bust guy. Uh, and then Alex Smith is, is the one to target if you're in, uh, you know, a 12-team and 14-team league. I think the the big thing, too, is that if you are in a 12-team league, 
chances are you have a, a decent quarterback uh, to, to start the season. I mean, you know, a lot of guys in the in a 12-team league, if, if a guy got a, a backup quarterback before they got uh, their starter, the guys that <clears throat> that waited might have Ben Roethlisberger this week, who has a great matchup against Tennessee. So it, it's it's, you know, don't drop Ben Roethlisberger for Alex Smith. It's just saying if you're in desperate need, if you drafted maybe Carson Palmer or uh, Jay Cutler or maybe Michael Vick, who I don't like his matchup against Washington, you know, those kind of things, uh, go for Alex Smith. Go for it. I think it's a smart, smart move. So you would start, you start Alex Smith over Vick? I, I, I think I would. I don't yeah. like I don't like Vic's matchup against against Washington at all. I'm I'm just I'm nervous about what is going to happen with that offense. It's 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 a boomer bust play. I get it, and chances are Michael Vick is going to outperform Alex Smith. But it's it's the conservative way that I look at the early season uh, in fantasy football. Yeah, I, I I see that Eagles skins game as as one where uh, the winner is going to have to have to put up twenty eight. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. And I just I I like you know whether it's a blowout one way or the other at first. I mean, there's a lot of emotion. I, I could tell you as a as someone who lives uh, a few miles outside of DC, there's the emotion running around the RG three situation and that and that opener and the hatred for the Eagles. It's uh um it's it's a little nuts. Like I think people are going to be a little shocked by how overwhelming the emotion is in that game. So uh, I could see the skins just jump out to a, a pretty good lead. But um, when when that offense has shown its teeth, when that Eagles offense has shown its teeth this preseason, they've looked really impressive. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they definitely have. But I would also say that the Washington front seven is nothing to to uh, scoff at. I mean, the, the I, I think that it's, it's going to be very interesting to see that defensive line against Michael Vick this week and against Chip Kelly's offense. Uh, but again, I'm not, I'm not, definitely not, promoting Michael Vick as a as a fabulous week one starter. I just don't I don't necessarily want to take that risk on that early in the season. I know that people are listening to this and they're saying, but you just mentioned Terrell Pryor. But yeah, I'm mentioning Terrell Pryor because that's a waiver wire ad that you would only make in a desperate situation. I would probably start Vick over Terrell Pryor, but I think I would start Alex Smith over both. And I am not even close to an Alex Smith believer. So no. that, that's saying something. I know, I know. I mean, uh, you you've punched me in the face several times for even mentioning his <laughs> name on the podcast. You have three broken noses this summer, I think. I, it, yeah, I'm in a lot of pain, but uh, I I'm on I'm on the Vic wagon bandwagon uh, th- this week and probably until if and until he um, you know get you know run, gets out of the pocket and gets his head taken off. But uh, so I, you make me sound like a riverboat gambler over here, but uh, no, I mean I. I think that people are going to listen to this podcast and think that I'm crazy for being for taking it so conservatively, but it's very difficult for me to to completely trust Michael Vick. I mean, I, yeah. it's 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 hard. He's no, I, oh, not absolutely. he's not very consistent. He's one of the least predictable quarterbacks in the entire NFL from a fantasy from a from a real and fantasy perspective. I could see I, I could see that game just getting very physical and ugly. Yeah. Oh no. I think it, I think it would be, it probably will be ugly. I, I will say, and I'm going to write about this, um, for XN sports this week. I think it'll be up on Thursday or Friday. Um, a guy like Vic or a guy like Pryor, uh, are great options. If you're playing in huge daily leagues, you know, with, with a hundred or 500 yeah, people, yeah. uh, because they're boom, they're boomer bus, you know, uh, uh, high variance type plays right. and, 
so I'll, I'm going to write about that. But they they do jump off the page as, as those as those great kind of uh, I'm either going to finish first or last sort yeah. of daily plays. Yeah, I would totally play a vicar or prior in, in daily just for that purpose. If it's a huge pool of, of people and you're trying to get first, of course, go for the the high upside because I would say that Vic Vic has higher upside than than ninety percent of the quarterbacks every single week. So, you know, regardless of matchup. So just throwing that out there. But Alex Smith is still still my guy. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. It's a good a good little week one battle. Michael yeah. Vick versus, versus Alex Smith. They don't even know that they're battling, but they are. No. <laughs> but on this pod, they're battling. <laughs> they have no idea. All right, so those are the quarterbacks. Now it's time for the tight ends. So uh, since Denny's kind of the defensive guy and then I'm the quarterback guy, every week we're going to split up the tight ends. We're going to give two guys. We'll go back and forth talking about them. Uh, we'll, we'll each give two guys to kind of talk about and, and uh, give you some streaming options. So, Denny, who's your, who's your first tight end? Uh, well, a guy who's really grown on me over the past maybe 10 days or so, uh, Julius Thomas, the um, new uh, sparkly new tight end, starting tight end for the Broncos, uh, will play Thursday night against the, the Ravens. And uh, on on paper, actually, you know, if we're talking about matchups, finding good matchups and ignoring bad ones, this is this is actually a pretty bad matchup on on at first at first blush. I mean, I I looked at it and I kind of just tossed it aside. And I mean, this was this was a week ago, and I and you know I, I took a, a a little closer look because uh, Thomas has um, you know drawn a lot of praise from from Peyton Manning, from the Broncos' new offensive coordinator, um, even from John Fox, uh, and. And then when he was promoted to, uh, you know, officially starting over Jacob Tammy and, and Joel Dreesen, uh, it, it really, you know, caught my attention. So I, I looked into it a little bit and uh, here's here's some numbers that, that jumped out. Uh, and again, I, I wrote this piece. I wrote all, all of this for XN Sports today. Um, he uh, in the preseason, uh, he had 14 passes come his way. Uh, talking about Julius Thomas again. Uh, he caught 12 of those passes for 123 yards, uh, 10.3 uh, yards per reception. So, th- I mean, th- those are a very this very small sample size. I understand, but uh, it's um, it, you know a good a good sign that when he gets the ball, he can do something with it. Uh, another number that jumped out as far as the matchup goes, um, the Ravens uh, were actually just really brutal against um uh tight ends last year uh they held tight ends to the sixth fewest catches of any defense uh in the nfl and um and they uh surrendered only the second fewest yards to tight to tight ends so uh they were pretty much a team to avoid all of last year uh two things jumped out one is the rare exception to that ravens defense defensive dominance of tight ends was were the Broncos in their um, playoff uh, matchup in Denver last year, uh, and Peyton Manning uh, targeted his tight ends uh, Tammy and Dreesen eleven combined times. He completed the nine passes out of those eleven for ninety yards. Uh, that was one of the the better stat lines that any tight end or tight end duo put up against that Baltimore defense last year. Um, so that you know Thomas has that going for him. Now I understand that Wes Welker is going to occupy the middle of the field, 
uh, and probably absorb some of those targets that would have gone to Adreesen or a, a, a Tammy. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I'm not, I'm not banking on, on Thomas, uh, you know, getting 11, 12 targets on Thursday. But uh, I think that it's perfectly reasonable to expect five or six. And, you know, a big former basketball player like that, whose uh, athleticism really jumps off the page, you know, he one of those one of those four or five could be in in the red zone in the end zone. So um, uh, he he really is uh, a good I think a, a solid streaming option this week. Um, and uh, the other guy um, actually is uh, is owned in, and I know you guys are going to give me some flack for this, but it, uh, I have to mention him because if he's in your league, I really want you to pick him up. Uh, Owen Daniels uh, is owned in 90% of Yahoo leagues. And I, I know, again, I understand. <laughs> I wanna, I, Man, I, really going on a limb here. Yeah, really, yeah, really uh, jumping out here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I think that it's, it's a little bit uh, misunderstood about how involved he, he is and can be and has been in that Texans offense. Um, he's averaged, he averaged 7.2 targets per game last year, uh, and had fifth most targets among all tight ends in 2012. And if the Texans are going to throw more, like, like, you know, a lot of, uh, Houston beat writers suspect they will, then I don't see any way that those targets are going to diminish if anything, um, they're going to climb, uh, this year. So, um, uh, Daniels is, uh, is, really uh smiled upon by the uh rotoviz projection tool which i uh, highly recommend uh to anybody who who's looking for a way to project player performance um it's uh you know his his high projection for this game is uh, almost 12 fantasy points which is is really really good so if he's um if he if he's available on your local waiver wire uh i would play him over a lot i think i have him ranked 7th uh, among all tight ends uh this week so um i you know in start sick questions i i think i might surprise people with with who i would uh who i would start i'm sorry i have him fourth among all yeah, tight ends this that's week, actually which... that's the same spot where number fire has him too oh really yeah. wow yeah. yeah yeah i'm i'm very confident that he's a top five you know top five if not uh even higher obviously uh and and so i would play him over guys like greg olson over to michael finley so I know that sounds that might sound a little nuts, but he really does project favorably in this matchup. Yeah, I think that's a this is a situation where you might have drafted two uh, double digit round tight ends if Daniels fell there, and you have someone like Zach Sudfeld and Owen Daniels. In that situation, I would go with Owen Daniels as as you would, I'm assuming as well. Yeah. Um, but but that's that's the you know. That's streaming as well. The, the guy doesn't have to necessarily be on the waiver wire, which is a good thing that you brought that up, even though I I made fun of you for it. But yeah, yeah that's true. Actually, I, I thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, it, yeah. You, saving you here. I'm saving you. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen. If if you took you know uh, like Martellus Bennett and um, Owen Daniels, you know, in, in maybe the 11th and 13th rounds, uh, you know, this is the week. For, certainly, the week for Daniels. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So who who do you have for uh, tight end streaming purposes? So I'm going to stick with two tight ends in the same game that we were just talking about. The first is Fred Davis for Washington. I cannot get enough Fred Davis in my life. If he is healthy, <laughs> if he's healthy, he's 
to me, he's he's almost an easy low end tight end one if he's healthy. I really I really do believe that. Um, he's got a good matchup this week against Philly. They're not they're they haven't done much on defense last year or in the preseason. They haven't looked good. Um, so I, I do expect uh, Davis being that he's healthy. You might as well get as much out of him as you possibly can before he has his inevitable injury. Uh, so start Fred Davis. I think with confidence. I think he's a top ten option this week. And I'm pretty sure that he's on the majority of waiver wires, um, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. So I, I, my first one is is Fred Davis. My second one isn't necessarily as much matchup related as it is um, uh, volume related, I guess. And it's Brent Selleck. Uh, he's he's always kind of been an underrated favorite of Michael Vick's in Philly. Uh, and and you know over throughout the the preseason after. You know, not a lot of people expected much from Brent Selleck in the in the Chip Kelly offense, especially because they kept adding tight ends and adding tight ends throughout the offseason. But mm-hmm. he's he's become more and more of a target in that offense. And I think that, uh, you know, again, playing to my, my early season uh, conservative nature, uh, I would go with Brent Selleck over the majority of tight ends because I think he has a higher floor than a lot of those tight ends. I think that he has a higher floor than... Um, you know, even a Julius Thomas, or or I don't want to necessarily say Sudfeld, but potentially a Sudfeld, or you know, some of those sexier names. Even I even feel more confident with Selleck than like Jared Cook, just because I don't know. I don't I don't know enough about how they're going to use Jared Cook. I would rather go with a guy like Selleck. Uh, so I do like him a lot as a high floor play. I'm not expecting you know necessarily expecting double-digit points, but I'm expecting a guy that can give you enough points that might offset your opponent's tight end. Yeah, you know, I mean, when when uh, Vic had his uh, his crazy, uh, what was it, 2011 year? Or yeah, no? yeah. Oh, against the the Washington one, the Monday night game? No, no, no. I'm, well, I'm talking about the, the season. Oh, the night. entire Yeah, I think, yeah, 2011. Or 2010. 2010. 2010. He, uh, he had a, uh, Selleck went on a tear that year. Yeah, he did. That made him... Like a like a plug and play top top five tight end for for a good like six or eight weeks. Oh yeah, he's he's certainly capable. I mean, again, it's it's tight end. It, it depends how you want to play it um, early on in the season. Like all all the positions that I've been that we've been talking about, I, I play it a little bit more conservative. But um, I, I I totally understand if you go more boom and bust with tight end, just because um, even if you're going with a high floor, that high floor is only like three or four points. So right. it's not like you're getting a significant significant value. So I totally understand if you want to go with a guy like Sudfeld or Julius Thomas uh, instead of a guy like Brent Selleck or or uh, Brandon Pettigrew or something like that where they're going to see volume, but they're not necessarily going to do a lot with that volume. Uh, but but to me, Selleck's a guy that I'm, I'm definitely playing this week. Yeah, you know, I think Selleck and Pettigrew uh, kind of uh, strike me as uh, – as better PPR plays. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think in standard, I, you know, I, I, I just don't think I would be as wild about them than PPR because you know th- those are the kind of guys who who catch you know six yard, you yeah, know, six, six yard passes on on first and ten and go down immediately. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I I do like Selleck as a uh, as a as a really high floor guy and and if that's what you're going for i don't think you can find many you know better options than that on the waiver wire yeah let me let me ask you this wasn't even part of our agenda but i was thinking about it right before we got on the podcast uh what about ed dixon Uh, you know he's healthy he's reportedly going to play and 
And the guy, the guy is going to be a low end tight end one probably throughout the season based on volume alone because there's no one else in in Baltimore catching passes, no one, and uh, unless you consider Brandon Stokely and Dallas Clark, something. But yeah. but if he's healthy, do you remember how? I mean, we've talked about this on the on earlier podcasts before, but. Uh, do you remember how we used to target Denver's defense last year all the time with tight ends yeah. because they could not defend the tight end? Yeah. And now you have D- Ed Dixon. If he plays, he could go off. I really, I think that, that that could be a very, very sneaky play if people were turned off by that hamstring injury. And if he actually plays, I mean, he could he could do a lot of work. Yeah. No. I, I I've I've really kind of been rooting for him to uh, get a clean bill of health, and I know that. He was cleared, right, to play. Yeah, I think so today or yesterday. Yeah. So, so I mean, he's he's going to play. You know, I guess it's just it's just the kind of the the memory of of that injury and and the fact that he just came back from it forty eight hours before the uh, the opening game. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Broncos were a. I think they were really the target for tight end streamers last year. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, he could very well, you know, be a be a great streaming option. Yeah, no Von Miller too. I mean, not to say that he's covering to put a, the, the pressure on Flacco. You were, you know, it, it, it's an interesting play. It's an interesting play if he if he is healthy. I'm, I, I one of the things that I noticed is I was writing that article, like I said, the the guys that should be rostered. Dennis or Ed Dennis Dixon, Ed Dixon, and, and it's spelled with a C K and not an X. But <laughs> Ed, Ed Dixon. Uh, is only owned in 2.3% of ESPN leagues right now, which yeah. which to me sounds kind of nuts. Well, I think if uh, if he had never been injured, that would probably be around like 40 or 50%. Right, That's a, exactly. And, and if he's healthy right now, even if he doesn't play 100% this week, he might, if you have a moderately deep bench, he's a, he's a worthwhile stash because I think that, you know, we, we were so excited about Dennis Pitta and mm-hmm. he, he's not as good as Dennis Pitta. But he can certainly uh, he, he's going to see potential volume like Dennis Pitta was hopeful to see. So why you know if if we're if we're talking about Dennis Pitta being the sixth best tight end and Ed Dixon being the ninth, that's very very possible. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I I think like I said, I mean the, the injury freaks people out, freak me out. So I yeah. I can't blame him. But uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it could be a good play. All right. Well, those are our streamers. Uh, that's crazy that we just did that already. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, it's uh, it, like, again, it's strange to like, you know, put all of these things into practice finally. But yeah. And now, and now all of those, all nine of those guys that we or 10 of those guys that we just recommended are going to do awful this week. So get right. ready. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, you know, again, if you have like two or three tight end options, it's really not a bad thing. I think. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you know, like, woe is me. I have three legit options this week. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's a really good thing. You know, just make the make the make the right decision based on available information, which is how does how do these defenses perform against tight ends? You know, how, you know, is this tight end in for a uh, an influx of targets? Uh, you know, just just. Just look at look at everything, evaluate it, and make make a decision. You don't have to be afraid of making the wrong right. choice. Yeah, and let me let me ask you since it is week one and we're finally getting start sit questions and stuff. Have you been getting people asking you if they should start Drew Brees or quarterback X? Yes, 
I've gotten it. I've gotten the Drew Brees or Andrew Luck, the Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. I've gotten it, and it just blows me away. Mm-hmm. Not only not only because that happened, and that's the way the draft went, but they're asking me. Of course, why why would you ask me that? Right. Yeah. I, I, I like don't even want to answer it. And and the thing is, when we say that, we're not saying that it's that it's impossible on every conceivable level that you know Andrew Luck will outscore Drew Brees. It's not impossible at all. But yeah. likelihood is it won't happen, and that's all we can go with is a likelihood. Yeah, I mean, you do, you don't just anyone listening right now that that has that that predicament and, and is honestly considering benching Drew Brees, don't. You don't bench Drew Brees. You're not benching Aaron Rodgers. You already sunk. You're, you already sunk yourself during the draft, and you already dug yourself that hole. Whenever you drafted them in the third round, just start them. And unless you can get good trade value, which you won't be able to, because quarterbacks don't have good value throughout the season, just just play them and lose your fantasy league. <laughs> those, those are inspiring words. I'm so sorry. I just got so angry. I got so, I got so I got so mad at the people that are start that are they have Andrew Luck and Drew Brees. Those Denny, those are the people that didn't allow us to wait even longer on quarterbacks. I know, I know. Those are uh, these are the people and they're they're asking me. Do we see what's going on? These are the criminals in my life. So, oh my god. <laughs> you you've gone crazy. Uh in my in my home league like with friends and family and stuff. Uh, I had a, a great, you know, like, like great typical situation happen. I was, I was planning, uh, on, on taking, you know, quarterback late cause they, cause everybody was just, you know, gobbling them up, uh, early on. And, uh, and I would look at a lineup and say, okay, well this, this guy has Russell Wilson. Uh, th- this guy has, um, Colin Kaepernick, you know, so they're not going to take another quarterback and wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? They did take another quarterback. Of course they did. So you know, like you know, the Kaepernick owner has Vic on his bench, and the Russell <laughs> yeah. Wilson owner has, uh, you know, Romo I, I mean, has Romo. Yeah, has Romo. So, and I'm, I'm like, well, first of all, you really mess with my plans. But secondly, <laughs> you know, g- good luck with that yeah. situation. <laughs> like, good, good luck. luck. Good luck with your team this year. Yeah, I hope I hope that every quarterback lineup decision you have is incredibly painful. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, man, mm. unbelievable. All right, you want to rant, Denny? I do, I do. It, it gets okay. It gets back to that, like the Terrell Pryor uh, situation and the devil's advocate argument is. But he's so bad at football. Why would you? How could you start him? Like, if I wasn't, if I was a real general manager of a real team, I wouldn't want him as my quarterback. Uh, what really? is that, can you explain what that accent is? It's, <laughs> it's uh, there's, there's actually no telling what that accent. No, is. No, I liked it though. Keep, you should do the entire rant in that in that accent. It, I it probably went a little long already, but. Um, <laughs> But you know, I I I just what I'm doing there is I'm mocking, <laughs> yes, um, and uh, uh, because I think Pryor is a real test case in the ability to uh, kind of see fantasy football as a numbers-based game about football rather than a football-based game about numbers. Um, and um, you know, I don't want Pryor as the quarterback of the team that I'll GM one day mm-hmm. and I will I'm just joking. of course um, and uh, uh, but but I do think you know 
that it's it's just foolish to ignore the um, prospect of a guy who is dirt cheap in daily fantasy and in redraft and whatever uh, who can put up um, could, you know can put up points uh, in in a way that might not be pretty but he'll do it yeah and or he has the potential to do it um, you know I wouldn't say that about Matt Flynn okay I wouldn't sit here and say oh you wouldn't want Matt Flynn as your real quarterback but I want him as my fan no it's not like Terrell Pryor is could be a legit fantasy asset uh, not an every week start but uh, a guy who could prove valuable so I just think that it'll be I'm very interested to see the reaction to Terrell Pryor uh, whether he tanks this week or or whether he puts up a nice game I mean we should remember that you know there was a lot of jokes about Terrell Pryor going into I think it was week week 16 last year against San Diego and he was a top seven fantasy quarterback at the end of the day so uh and I I didn't see jokes after that uh I didn't see many at least so I just think that uh it's 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 going to be interesting and uh if if you really think about it as a math-based game uh, then you are going to give Pryor a second look um, in, in whatever kind of team you're putting together um, for this week and, and for future weeks. I love and it. That's all I got. I love it. You know, I, I think our hope stemming from this podcast is that Terrell Pryor rushes for two touchdowns and throws three interceptions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, he could throw for only 100 yards and two picks and still. Still, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, do okay. I mean, he it's only the Tebow threw for, stat line, right? He only threw for a buck fifty last year at, uh, against San Diego, right? You know? And, and it, he was still top seven. Yeah, that's just that's what happens uh, with that kind of quarterback in fantasy. Yeah. All right. Well, tonight I'm going to rant about uh, reading titles of articles, and not the rest of the article. <laughs> uh, I, I might have I might have already ranted about this before, but I think it needs to happen again. Uh, because I, I hate it. I hate it like a whole lot. So let me just give the story real quick. There was a piece done by Matt Grasso over at, uh, at numberfire.com. And Matt's a great writer. Uh, you guys should definitely check him out. He's a really, really witty, funny guy, but he knows his football. And, uh, you know, he put together this piece on David Wilson after David Wilson or after Andre Brown uh, fractured his leg. And, and it was in the midst of the, the immense David Wilson hype among uh, fantasy experts, which makes sense that there was hype around him because he's incredibly talented, has an incredibly high ceiling, can do a whole lot uh, given this opportunity. But the one thing that Matt pointed out in his article, uh, and it's called, uh, I think it's called, Should You Trade David Wilson? Uh, the thing that, that Matt pointed out is kind of that psychological side of, of fantasy where you know, we might love David Wilson, we might love his upside, but let's take a step back and look at this objectively. Is it possible that where we are at with David Wilson is, is his uh, perceived max? Is, it, is he able to, to reach where some people might have him ranked now? And basically what, what Matt was saying was, if there's a guy in your league that is valuing David Wilson as a low-end RB1, and you can get a guy like Chris Johnson or maybe Maurice Jones-Drew for David Wilson straight up, then, then you should trade David Wilson. This is a perfect time to trade David Wilson because because his value perhaps could be higher to some people than it than than he could possibly produce. So we tweet out this link 
and not only on the number fire twitter account but on the on my twitter account uh we got crushed by by people that clearly did not read the article and they would just respond with a retweet and say no they don't they, they you don't trade david wilson under any circumstance right now because he has all the opportunity in the world but that's the whole reason that that you and i i think kind of do what we do and why we talk about what we talk about and why you wrote your book and why like you know we really try to take a step back and look at this game objectively and realize um you know what these real outcomes are we all love david wilson's talent i get it we love it we and he can do a whole lot with that talent but but the fact of the matter is you know in in all reality it's 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 not the the pr- probability is not in his favor to actually finish as 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 an RB1 it's just not the, the position is deep there's a lot of guys that have done it before we don't know if David Wilson can handle over 200 touches we don't know if David Wilson can can handle over 175 touches there's a lot of question marks that we seem to ignore when things like this occur and you know bottom line is when when we go and we write this content and we say uh, we we say these controversial things before you just completely judge a book by its by its title uh, you know, read the content. It's it's the same thing that happens with me with the late round quarterback. You know, assuming you've done it right by getting a quarterback in in either round fourteen or, or, or you you assume that you have done things right by getting a quarterback in round fourteen or round five. You know, you think late round equals five or late round equals fourteen, but that's not what it's about. It's about value and recognizing value in drafts. So if you read the content, the articles that we write, the book anything you would really realize that but it's the people that just look at the titles and they just jump to these conclusions and those are the ones that are doing themselves a disservice in fantasy football yeah absolutely good rant good Ooh. rant bro i need yeah. some water yeah you, uh, you singed my eyelashes <laughs> <laughs> spitting fire oy, oy, oy. um uh, you know i think it's uh it gets it just comes down to uh people who are not willing uh, to explore the range of outcomes, you know, um, yeah. it, you know, look at, uh, we all, we all draw conclusions eventually. It's part of, you know, what we have to do, uh, you know, before we set our lineups, right. but just exploring everything that might be possible in, in a certain scenario, whether it's in a si- single week or in a season or in a guy's career, if you're talking about dynasty implications, um, you know, to not do that, like you said, is really doing, you know, doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that just like, that always blows me away is that the, the reason we enjoy doing this is not only, I mean, it's a, it's a game first and foremost, we can't take it that seriously. But, but number two, the second thing is that, you know, we, we don't necessarily think that our projections are the end all. And we don't think that we don't assume that what we're projecting and how we're projecting is the only outcome that is possible. And when you start to think that way, I think that's when you start to to make some pretty poor lineup decisions because you're so stuck in your own ways and you're being so stubborn with your lineup decisions that you're not going to win. It's just not it's not going to happen. I you can be totally high on a guy, and I I totally understand that, but don't be locked into that guy's production because that gives gets you in a lot a lot of trouble. Yeah, inflexible thinking will be the end of you. Yeah. So uh, speaking of which, I mean, this is kind of in line with with some of the stuff you talk about in your book. Do you want to tell us everyone where you can uh, where we can get that book? Oh man, I have I do have a book. Uh, 
Yeah, it's called How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner. It's on Amazon, iTunes, and Barnes and Noble. Um, it's uh, it's pretty evergreen, just just so everyone knows. I mean, it, it's not about the 2013 season. Um, it's uh, it's not even about particularly draft prep or it's ha- how to set your lineup. It's just how to translate you know certain principles of poker strategy and thinking into you know fantasy success, uh, hopefully. Uh, so. It really is uh, something that you can read any time of the season or off season, um, but uh, yes, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at at CD Carter thirteen, um, and I write for twenty two sites, including uh, xnsports dot com, thefakefootball dot com, and four for four dot com. Boom. Are nice. you on Twitter? Are you on Twitter, JJ? I am. You can find me on Twitter at late round QB. I hit I hit five thousand followers today. You're a jerk. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was pretty fun. I threw a party in my apartment. Well, that's, it was uh, it was awesome. That's 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 nice. That's good for you. I, I'm not jealous at all. Not at all. Yeah, I'm I'm all about just. I, I look at my Twitter followers daily. I'm making sure that that, that it's going up and not down. Will you? Um... Yeah, I mean, you only paid for like half of them, right? I, I didn't even realize it was happening until uh, um, someone tweeted at me and told me. So that's that's probably bad. Anyway, You're so, huh? You're so modest. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at late round QB, and I'm working at numberfire.com. Uh, I write content there all the time, and also, uh, I know that there's been a lack of content on late round QB recently. Um, Part of that is a lot of that is my fault, um, and I, I did want to, to make note that uh, our buddy Phil Culbertson is now going to be the lead editor at LateRoundQB.com. So he's going to really help get that content out there more consistently during the season, uh, making sure that everyone is, is getting the the awesome stuff that uh, you know guys like Keith and Lad and Travis and Austin and who else am I missing there? Uh, Chad, sorry, Chad. You know what what they're what they're uh, producing. You guys can check that out. So Phil's going to be kind of uh, he's going to be my right hand man in a way uh, throughout the season. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations to him. You guys should follow him on Twitter. Phil underscore Culbertson. Great guy, smart guy. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. That was fun. Yay, Phil. Yay. No, seriously, Phil's a good guy. And did you did you mention Chad Ladd? No, Chad Scott. Mm, I think you meant Chad Ladd. I think he's writing for your site now. Maybe. He, <laughs> I, I might have I brought him in after the, uh, the mock draft. Yes, Chad Ladd. There's a possibility. Anyway, Denny, that wraps up the week one streaming. Awesome. Well, I'll see you for week two when we can, uh, you know, apologize for all of our oh, picks. No, I'm just joking. I'm very confident in everything I said, seriously. Here's, here's to Alex Smith uh, outperforming Michael Vick. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, yeah. That that will be interesting. And uh, if Terrell Pryor tanks for you, uh, you know, sorry, but uh, yeah. I don't think you will. Hopefully, you guys come back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the Internet Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's fast.